The following is a production of Omnis.tv. Tonight, I welcome special music guest, The Dreadnought. I'll also discuss the Randy Blythe situation, Garden Gnomes, the Super Bowl recap, NBA, the top movies at the box office, and much, much more tonight here on Unsigned. Hey everyone, how's it going? Welcome to Unsigned. My name is Ryan. I've got a great show for you this evening. Hopefully wherever you are, you're doing very, very well. And uh, I tell you what, I'm really excited about tonight's show uh, for the simple fact that uh, we have uh, Dreadnought on. Uh, Everyone who is going to hear this broadcast is in for a special treat tonight. This is a uh, young lady who uh, is a great guitar player, great singer-songwriter, so uh, uh, definitely stick around for that. And we've got a lot of of other... um, a lot of other great things tonight as well. Uh, we're going to talk about you know the Super Bowl, uh, the game, and uh, just a lot of other things we're going to cover tonight. So definitely sit tight with us. And one story that caught my eye this week, and everybody knows that I love these crazy, wacky stories. I know this is like, like a crazy, wacky story, but it's also a sad story as well. Of course, I'm going to lead the show off with it. Uh, a 76-year-old man bludgeoned his wife to death with a garden gnome. Okay, that he was sentenced last Friday, only four years in jail. This is reported by the BBC News. Uh, Frederick Gillard of Blackpool, England, told the police that he just lost it. He attacked his wife of 54 years. Gillard served with the Royal Air Force for 27 years. He and his wife had four children and three grandchildren. This is my favorite part of the story here. The, the, the other part is very sad. It, you know, I guess uh, he was like, you know what? We're not going to make it to 55 years. So um, the. The garden gnome was themed. I love how they point this out in the article. The garden gnome was themed from Easter Island. I thought that was interesting. So uh, I don't know. Maybe, you know, they went to Easter Island at one point or she always wanted to go to Easter Island and she kept nagging him about it. And he was just finally just said, that's it. That's enough. <laughs> Here's your garden gnome. Oscar Hernandez, uh, you know, New, or- New Orleans. I've never been to New Orleans. I've never been to Mardi Gras. You know, you hear stories and you see videos and those type of things. But this guy, um, this guy obviously wanted to be a part of the uh, the majestic tapestry that is uh, the French Quarter. Uh, Mr. Hernandez uh, was encountered by cops when he was staggering down the street this past Friday night and serenading a little jingle. This is according to the Bayou Buzz. Now, uh, his performance was memorable. However, he was lacking one important thing. He wasn't wearing any pants, and he was masturbating in front of the police. Uh, officers actually tried to get him to stop and ask him to put pants on before they started carrying him away. Hernandez uh, allegedly ignored the order and preferred to fa- uh, basically started fondling himself more aggressively in front of the police officers. And uh, Chief Anthony Christina uh, told... Uh, the reporters that uh, he couldn't recognize uh, Hernandez's song, but it's definitely a jingle he'll remember. You know, I, I wonder what he was really singing. Was it Jingle Ball, Free Ballin', Balls to the Wall by Accept? Maybe he was singing Big Balls by ACDC. Or maybe he was singing Billy Squire's The Stroke. I don't know. Uh, I guess that's one of those things we'll never find out. You know, Justin Timberlake was in the news uh, saying that, you know, he's obviously coming back to music, and uh, he said that he did not call Britney Spears a bitch. Not that anybody would blame him if he had. Now, Justin Timberlake is also going to be uh, playing at this weekend's Grammys, the 55th annual Grammys uh, at the Staples Center in Los Los Angeles. Also performing uh, at the 55th Grammys this weekend is 
Miranda Lambert, the Black Keys, the Lumineers, Mumford and Sons, Frankie Ocean, Rihanna, Taylor Swift, Carrie Underwood, Jack White, Elton John also scheduled to be there along with Bruno Mars, Sting, and even Elton John scheduled to be performing uh, Sunday night at the Staples Center for the 55th annual Grammys. And of course, next week, uh, we'll cover as much as we can uh, as far as uh, who won what and uh, what transpired at the Grammys uh, this past weekend. Uh, after going on hiatus in November of 2009, the band Fall Out Boy is actually returning with a new single, an album, and also a tour. The song is called Light Em Up. Uh, this is Chicago band's first music since Alpha Dog, which is a collection of hits in 2009. The single uh, marks Fall Out Boy's fifth studio release titled Save Rock and Roll, which is scheduled to come out May 7th. Uh, the record marks the 10th anniversary of the band's debut full-length album, Take This to Your Grave. Now, during the hiatus, the musicians uh, focused on solo project. Patrick Stumps focused on a solo project called Soul Punk uh, in late 2011, and Pete Wentz uh, was working on a project titled Black Cards. Uh, they will actually kick off the Save Rock and Roll Tour May 14th in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Now, last week we reported that Tool was, in, uh, was scheduled to be in the studio recording. Now, it comes out, uh, this actually came out today uh, in a radio interview. Major James Keenan, the, the singer for the band Tool, simply replied in an interview uh, about the forthcoming CD saying, No new disc, not this year. I haven't written any songs, so no, there's nothing. Keenan also batted down the possibility of a new Perfect Circle album as well, citing that his focus is on Pussifer and that a Perfect Circle guitarist Billy Howardell is uh, dedicated to Ashes Divide, and that is why there is no current uh, album for a Perfect Circle on the table. Now, if anybody knows Maynard James Keenan, he likes to mess with the media. So take this as a, as a grain of salt. I mean, last week they were talking about uh, band members being involved in Vespa scooter accidents. So um, you don't know if this is just Tool's funny way of just messing with the media or not. Um, but I figured I would report it to you. So uh, bum me out. If you're a fan of Tool much as I am, uh, I was looking forward to a new album this year. Maybe it's going to happen. Maybe it's not hard, hard to say. Now, the Randy Blythe situation, we've covered this when it, when it first started on the show extensively for about a month or so, and uh, this is actually day two of his trial uh, in Prague for manslaughter. The trial begins uh, with local media continuing to cover the development inside the courtroom. As reported, Blythe uh, began the trial yesterday, February 4th, claiming his innocence, and now uh, apparently there are new details uh, day two of the trial. Now, a witness testifying at the 2010 uh, concert accident uh, says Blythe uh, in the courtroom was supported with his wife, Cindy, his, his parents, and Lamb of God drummer Chris Adler, uh, who also took the stand yesterday to testify on behalf of Randy. Uh, various friends of the deceased uh, concert goer known as Daniel N. Uh, gave their testimonies as well, holding Blythe responsible for Daniel's death, which they said he caused by uh, head trauma suffered at the 2010 Lamb of God show. You know, I, this thing just reeks uh, on all levels uh, as far as um, integrity uh, of the judicial system, not only for, uh, you know, the U.S. and also just, you know, in general, I, I guess, as far as, uh, you know, trials go. This deceased fan, I don't know how this is his fault that, you know, security did not, you know, inf did not enforce people coming on stage. Uh, people were getting hurt. It's obviously a heavy metal show. Uh, now, the three different people that testified against Randy, all per this is actually per witness in the courtroom by the gauntlet. Uh, all three witnesses ordered different versions of what actually transpired. 
this makes me think this is more of a witch hunt than it is an actual trial. Uh, only day two of the trial. Uh, obviously, a lot more details that need to be shed uh, before you know we obviously have a verdict here. But uh, hopefully, uh, Randy is able to uh, leave Prague and to come back to the States and to resume his life. Uh, we'll keep you abreast of the situation with uh, the Randy Blythe uh, trial. Now, uh, let's talk Super Bowl entertainment, shall we? I'll tell you what. Everyone talks to you know, about the Beyonce, uh, you know, and the halftime show. But I'm telling you what, hands down, the best performance of the night, at least for me, was the Sandy Hook Elementary Choir fronted by Jennifer Hudson. It was outstanding. It was really a, a powerful, emotional performance. And I really felt watching it that it was kind of one of those, you always talk about, you know, the great TV moments. And I really thought, you know, nowadays everything, every, oh, everything's the greatest, everything's the greatest. And look, I, I really think that moment in time with those young kids out there, everything they had been through, for them to go out there on that stage uh, and, and sing the song the way they did, I, I thought it was great. Jennifer Hudson, obviously beautiful voice. Uh, I, I thought it was a, really a great moment in, in time to, to, to view, and I, I was fortunate enough to, to see it live. Now, the other side of it is Alicia Keys doing the national anthem. Uh, a lot of people didn't like the version. Uh, it was a slowed-down version. It took a lot longer than I think a lot of people uh, expected, maybe because their prop bets were at two minutes and change. But uh, I saw a performance overall, Alicia Keys, uh, class musician, and uh, I always enjoy listening to her you know, sing just about anything beyond the piano. Now, the halftime show, Beyonce. Um, look, I, I'm not necessarily a fan of her music, per se, by any means. Um, I think she's a great singer. She's a great talent. That that's, goes without question. Uh, I think the actual halftime show is exactly what you really want from a halftime show of that magnitude. It's the Super Bowl, there's millions and millions and millions, tens upon millions of people watching. It's big lights, more lights, more lights, more dancers, tighter pants, more dancers, more dancers, tighter pants, sparkly guitar, more dancers, more lights. That's what you need at the Super Bowl, I guess. Uh, the only thing I was missing, I was like, where is the strippers pole? Um, that was the only thing I thought was missing. Now, I don't know if anybody else thought that, you know, when the Dusty Childs came out, uh, the other girls, I thought that, you know, I was like, man, I was like, you look at Beyonce and she went, woo, wow, Beyonce, she's good looking. And not that the Destiny's Child uh, women are not good looking, but compared to Beyonce, it was no contest. Uh, Jay-Z's a lucky guy, I guess. But uh, tell you what, let's uh, take a look. Ladies and gentlemen, the time has come. Boys and girls, children of all ages, coming to the unsigned show this evening by way of Boston, Mass, hailing in Los Angeles, California, the one, the only, Dreadnought! Hey! What's up, guys? <laughs> hey, how's it going? Hey, uh... Good. Dreadnought, thanks for uh, for doing the show. I know it was really short notice, and we appreciate you, uh, you know, hustling through LA traffic to uh, join us tonight. We appreciate it. No problem. Thanks for having me. You guys caught me at dinner. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Well, what do you what do you have for dinner tonight? Then what's uh, what's on the uh, on the menu? Something simple. I have some pasta here with some bread and olive oil, some garlic on top. <laughs> oh, very and nice. Orange very nice. juice. There you go. Nice, sensible dinner there, hanging out. Well, we appreciate you taking the time now. Well, I'm curious, you know, you started, uh, when you started getting serious in music, you know, when you came up with the name Dreadnought, how, how did you come up with the name Dreadnought? Well, <laughs> I started growing dreadlocks about, um, what was it, like three years ago? Um, actually, it was probably about four years ago. And I realized that I have dreadlocks, all right? A guitar, the acoustic guitar, the shape I had, is called a dreadnought. 
It's spelled N-O-U-H, wait, yeah, N-O-U-G-H-T. And um, then there's also the Dreadnought Battleship. That means fear nothing, which is, of course, something that I believe in. <laughs> um, and then what else? I don't know. There's so many things. <laughs> like, I just thought it was a great name. And uh, the K-N-O-T is just representative of the fact that, you know, I have dreadlocks and it's pretty much just knotted hair, you know? Like, that's that's about the same time that I started getting serious about music, you know? Right on. No, I agree. There's definitely a great name. Now, I'm curious, what are your uh, earliest memories of music? Uh, what really piqued your interest musically uh, as a youth? Um, well, I actually started off on piano. I was nine years old, and my mother was like, oh, you're going to play piano. Like, I had no say in the matter. But um, I played for a few years. Like, I took one year of um, lessons, and then I was like, I don't want to play this anymore. So uh, when I turned 13, I just saw a guitar one day. I was in Sears with my mother, and I just saw one of those starter guitar packs for like $100. And I was like, oh, Mom, get me that. And she was like, why? You're just going to pick it up and drop it, just like you do everything else. <laughs> and I was like, no, I promise I won't. <laughs> and, um, uh, yeah, I haven't put it down ever since, I guess. <laughs> Very cool. Now, uh, do you remember, uh, like, some of the first songs you ever learned to play on that guitar? Oh, totally. Uh, let me see. Let's see if my fingers can remember. <laughs> <laughs> uh <laughs> what else did I learn? Um, uh, so a lot of like Nirvana. Sure, sure. And then like the easy songs. Um, I remember learning this this song here. Do you remember this? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I learned that one. Um, just a lot of power chords, you know. <laughs> Very cool. But yeah, well, I, I'm a huge fa huge fan of the uh, early 90s music. So uh, Nirvana, you know, early, early Green Day, I really dig that stuff. Uh, do you do you remember, um, you know, obviously, you know, you grew up in Boston. Uh, I'm curious what would uh, happen to move you out to L.A. Was it just a, a decision you made musically? Like, this is what I want to do with my career. If I'm going to do it, I need to be out in one of the largest cities in the United States. Is that basically what it came down to? Yeah, honestly, um, Boston... There are a lot of music things going on there, but nobody important can really notice you out there. Like, I feel like you just plateau because I was making good money at shows. And, you know, I was like, I felt like it was the highest I was going to get in Boston. You know what I mean? Like, you play the same venues, you get, like, the same cash. And same thing, I just, I wanted more people to hear my music. And it just felt like the same people were hearing my music. Like, I needed a, a bigger audience and... um I felt like coming out here, I could get a bigger audience faster, you know, which is true because um, out here you can make a lot of contacts. Uh, a lot of people are, they really care about music out here. In Boston, they don't really care about, uh, I, I can't say they don't care about it. A lot of people do music, but I think it's so much, like we have the Berkeley College of Music out there. We have... Um, uh, what else do we have out there? NEC, New England Conservatory. It's like one of the best classical music schools. Uh, like everybody does music. 
So it just seems like it's harder to find people who feel more spiritual, spiritually other than academically about music. But um, no. out here, a lot of people care. A lot of people really want music to be heard and they love to work with you and you make a lot of connections. And I knew that, you know, it's a, it's a big place. And I mean, hey, it's Hollywood, man. <laughs> right. Well, uh, you know, I noticed you, know, you, you obviously being in Boston, you don't really have the accent. Can you uh, can you give us a sample of your uh, Boston accent? Can, can we hear a little? Uh, can we hear a little of it? See, I can't even talk like that out here because <laughs> people will talk, call you on it. Like, oh, I'll go pop the car in Harvard Yard. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> no, I don't. I don't like saying stuff like that just because. Um, I don't know. People like. People like to make fun of Boston. Oh, isn't there some kind of show about Southie or something? There's a new show about Southie, I think. Yeah, um, you know what? I, I saw I, that. Um, I, I'm addicted to Storage Wars, but uh, I saw yeah. that on the uh, on A and E. There is a Southie, and I, I have I, I haven't you know brought myself to watch it yet or anything. I one because of the time, but um, yeah, I, I did see something about it on A and E about the Southies. So. You know, I don't know if they're just going to be like yelling, like, "Hey, give me some chowder," or something. I don't know, but uh, I can obviously can't do a boxing accent, but uh, <laughs> but <laughs> it's a Red Sox or whatever. Um, it's wicked cool, man. No, I don't know. I, I really can't do that. But uh, I'm curious, uh, kind of getting back to the music side of things. You know, we talked before the show, but you know, I, I listened to a lot of your tracks on YouTube, and uh, I noticed you do a lot of acoustic stuff, and you have some electric uh, stuff too. I'm curious, do you have a preference, uh, whether it be acoustic or electric? I do. I'm like really upset with myself because I play electric more. You know, I'm like, I'm a lot more of an electric person, but I usually focus on what I'm learning at the time, you know, and um, I pretty much have, I feel like I have gotten to a point in electric where I'm so comfortable with my playing that I want to focus on acoustic which is more like I do a lot more singing with acoustic and I didn't start singing until like a year and a half, two years ago. Two years ago, I started singing, I think. So, you know, I, I kind of want to focus more on that and practicing, but I actually decided yesterday that I'm going to put a lot more electric tracks up, a lot more soloing, like what I did, the Blues and G thing. Yes. That was from 2010. <laughs> you know what I wow, mean? Wow, okay, yeah. You no, know, I, I, I feel like I need to. No, I like that. I like uh, I like the diversity that you kind of have both sides there. Um, do you? I mean, obviously, when you're writing songs, do you typically do that on the acoustic and then kind of transfer it over, or is it vice versa? Mm, see, I used to write them more on electric. Um, now I've been writing them on acoustic just because I've been using my acoustic a lot more. But um, I do write them on electric, like "Smoke and Booze." That was actually an acoustic song. And it had a certain rhythm to it. Like, I did a slap. I don't know if I can do it now without the mic kind of getting upset. Because when I was doing the recording for it, they told me I couldn't do the slap. And they said um, it was too loud for the mic. So I had to do it with an electric guitar. And it, it lost a lot of its pizzazz, you know. I feel a little upset. I got shafted for smoking booze, but it's cool. <laughs> right on. Well, I'll tell you what. Let's uh, now, let's take a let's take a break here. Let's cue up uh, "Smoke and Mooge, which is a great track, and uh, we'll come back and uh, we'll chat a little more. Is that cool? Thanks. All right. Cool. Let's do it. Right on. This is uh, "Smoke and Booze here on Unsigned, the Dreadnought.
Dreadnought here on Unsigned with Smoke and Booze. Uh, Dreadnought, uh, I really dig that track, man. It's just got a nice groove to it, just kind of one of those feel-good tunes. Uh, now, I want to talk to you about a live show you have coming up at the House of Blues. Um, talk to me about you know that performance and what you expect from a live set. Well, um, I'm really excited for the show at the House of Blues because it's definitely going to be a great turnout. Um, what I'm going to do is not only am I going to play electric and acoustic and bring my ukulele and play with loop pedals, <laughs> um, but I'm also going to invite one of um, one of the people from the audience who bought tickets, you know, to see my show. I'm going to invite them on stage. Oh, cool! Very cool. Yes. Um, yes. Are they going to play with you or sing with you or? They can do. Either one of you know one of my songs with me. They can do a cover. You know, I just I love just having fun and they can sing with me or whatever. Just dance whatever they want, really. Very cool. Now you mentioned you know obviously guitar, piano, ukulele. How, how many instruments do you know how to play? 
Um, I know how to play guitar, piano, ukulele, and let me see. I, I play the harmonica. I'm pretty good soloing on the harmonica. Um, and I do kind of play drums. Like, I can definitely keep a beat and do a couple fills. And, you know, I'm not that crazy with it just because it's, I don't get much practice in. <laughs> it's a big instrument to have with you, you know? Sure. sure. Um, I completely understand that. Yeah, but I, I, I used to have a bass. Uh, I played bass for a while, and um, then I realized that I should just play my guitar with two fingers, so <laughs> then I sold my bass. But, you know, I try to play everything, really, anything I could get my hands on. Very cool. Is there an instrument that you would uh, be interested in trying to learn? Yes, the violin. That's what I'm going to learn next. Ah, very nice. Okay. Well, that's, that'd be a really cool instrument to hear uh, some of your songs done with, with violin. I'd be interested in hearing that. Now, do you have any pre-show uh, rituals uh, for live shows? Like, Do you have like a superstition or anything you do before you uh, take the stage to do a live show? <laughs> I wish, man. Every time I do a live show, it's kind of like a whole new bag of chips. Like something different happens, you know. Sometimes I'm rushing. Sometimes I'm there so early. You know, one time my car wouldn't even start. My car wouldn't start, and there was an accident um, on the main street that I would have been driving on. So I felt like it was divine intervention. <laughs> but, um, and then, let me see. I don't know. Now I just like to, I smoke weed. So I just always smoke a <laughs> joint, of course. <laughs> well, I guess you can like, in a... In California, you know, uh, probably pretty uh, pretty accessible. Are you watching Southies in the background there? Is that what I hear? Is what? Is Southies on in the background there on TV? Is that what that is? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm just totally messing with you. Uh, I'm interested, you know, obviously you're pretty young into the music scene. You, you've had pretty – a lot of people really dig the uh, the Smoke and, Buse, uh, smoke and Booze uh the video you've had over a hundred thousand views on it. Uh, some, your other original tracks are great too. Uh, I'm curious, what what do you see as your uh, biggest challenges musically right now, and also your future goals? Oh, uh, my biggest challenge, honestly, is getting my music out there because I have so many tracks, like you wouldn't even believe, and I just don't have a producer out here. Um, I'm meeting with somebody, but. I don't know, you know, it's this first thing that I'm doing, it's just going to be like a performance piece. So that's going to be nice. That should be coming out soon, maybe next week. Um, but I don't have a producer, a stable producer, and I just have a lot of music to get out there. That's my biggest goal right now is finding a way to get my music out there. Right on. Well, uh, I'm glad that you take the time, and I uh, hope we can. Uh, hopefully, someone out there is listening and uh, is a producer, and you know, will uh, we'll give you a buzz. Um, I tell you, what, we got one more track for, from you tonight, and that is "One Day," which is compared to "Smoking Booze." Night, I mean, literally night and day uh, as far as tracks. Talk to me. Talk to me about this particular track, and you know, obviously, uh, seems I mean, a pretty emotional, heartfelt track. Talk, talk to me about that. I, I love the way it's night and day, but that's the thing. Like, I love showing two contrasting views about myself, and it's just that, one, smoke and booze was pretty much like, that's, you know, I do that all the time. That's me, you know, but I'm not going to say that's all me. I want you to know that that's like, that's like a big part of me. <laughs> I like to party, whatever, but there's also a part of me that loves people in my life and like you know I could never let people leave my life without just being like 
oh, you know, this is, this is how I feel, you know, this is how you feel, blah, blah, blah. But that's just how, you know, that's me and I have other views. I have other, you know, aspects of my music and myself. But one day was just about a good friend. You know when you have good friends and then you don't talk to them for forever. But it's not like anything really happens. It's kind of like you drift away, you know. You're just like, oh, okay, you're a good friend at one time and you probably meant a lot to the other person. But then it's like you both go, you get jobs, you get, you know, so you go to school, you do this and you do that and you just kind of forget. No, I, I think that's, gosh, I I think everybody can relate to that in some fashion or another uh and it doesn't, I don't think it gets easier as you get older. Um, not that I'm going to tell you my age, but, uh, you know, I, I think that's a good perspective there. And, uh, I tell you what, um, Dreadnought, it's a pleasure speaking with you tonight. And, uh, we'll close out tonight with one day, uh, on that note. And best of luck to you. And definitely keep in touch with us here. And, uh, and, uh, hey, w- when you got new material, definitely let us know about it. Great. Thank you so much for having me on the show. And, um, you know, t- uh, I have a show at the House of Blues for everybody listening. Uh, it's on the 19th of February. All right. Check me out at facebook.com slash dreadnought. Right on. Dreadnought, thank you very much. Have yourself a uh, wonderful evening. Enjoy your dinner. And this is One Day here on Unsigned. All right. Let's go. I met her on a dusty road. A fire burned in both our souls fast approaching this impasse if only I could make it last if only I knew you're an angel I would have held you still and never let you leave I'd never let you leave But if I see you one day, I hope to God that you will say, Oh, how you've missed me dearly, your life I'll play. Could there ever be another day, quite like today? She picked my pieces from the dirt, and all at once I could see my word. And I will never take for granted A single thing that we did But if I see you one day I hope to God that you will say Oh, how you missed me dearly Your life I'll play Could there ever be another day Quite like today Well, today I would travel the lands and the seas Just to see your face again And tomorrow we might meet once more if you please Any day is just fine with me But if I see you one day I hope to God that you will say Oh, how you've missed me dearly Your life I'll play Could there ever be another day Quite like today Quite like today 
see you one day I hope to God that you will say Well, how you've missed me dearly Your life I'll play Could there ever be another day Quite like today But if I see you one day I hope to God that you will say me dearly your life I'll play could there ever be another day quite like today but if I see you one day I hope to God that you will say oh how you miss me dearly your life I'll play could there ever be another day quite like today the dreadnought here on unsigned and uh if you're interested in finding more about uh dreadnought is the dreadnought.com you can hear uh you know see videos and music uh from the dreadnought so uh best of luck to the dreadnought and thanks for her for uh, coming on the show and really a short notice and um you know sharing uh, a little bit about herself and some of the music uh tonight but tell you what, let's jump into our nfl super bowl recap all star You play to win the game. Hello? You play to win the game. Playoffs? Don't talk about it. Playoffs? You kidding me? Playoffs? Congratulations. See you in Pittsburgh. Can't wait. That's why we took the damn field. Now, if you want to crown them, then crown their ass. But they are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. You want to crown them? Well, yeah, we're crowning the Baltimore Ravens Super Bowl champions. Super Bowl 47, the Baltimore Ravens. Um, hey, well, you know what? I had the score right. Uh, 34-31. I just had the wrong damn team. But speaking of the Super Bowl, they, you know what? The first half of this game was it was it was not a good game. It was forgettable. To say the least, they're trying to peg this as the greatest game ever. This is by far the greatest game, um, not the greatest game. Excuse me. Uh, the the first half was a snore fest. Uh, the 49ers made tons of mistakes, turnovers. It uh, really allowed the Ravens to jump out in front. Uh, I thought the 49ers would really test uh, Ray uh, Lewis more than they did. I really thought they would with they with that the pistol option, the read option, and force Ray Lewis to make plays in the gaps. Uh, on run plays. And when they did, they had a lot of success. I just didn't think they did it enough. But, you know, they ended up getting, you know, far behind there. And then, you know, halftime comes, they come out and they give up a 108 yard kick return. You know, all of a sudden you're down 22 points. So they, the read option game plan, a lot of that changes. But uh, it, at that point, it looked like it was just going to be a good old fashioned butt kicking right there at that point. And then the lights went out at the Superdome. And I was like, oh, is the Undertaker there from WWE? What's going on? Oh, wait, no, no. It was the 49ers' plan C. Cut the lights. 34-minute delay. Now, the Ravens, an older team, kind of sit around me, but they got a little stiff, uh, got a little tight going, man, you know, and then all of a sudden they got a chance for the 49ers really to kind of, they really came out loose. It was almost like a second half time. You know, they just kind of got a reset, and they came out and just were dominant. That third quarter, they were dominant. If the 49ers played the third quarter for four quarters, they would have destroyed the Ravens. They really would have. But uh, on the other side of the coin, heading into that fourth quarter, 
Cool Joe Flacco, the Baltimore Ravens. I tell you what, say what you want about Joe Flacco, man. That back, the back shoulder throws, the scrambling to extend plays, that drive in the fourth quarter. You know, was it six minutes to go? You know, to come down and get the field goal to put them up five was outstanding. That was a game clock killing drive, and it forced the 49ers to score a touchdown for the win at that point in time. Now. Everyone's talking about the uh, the no call, the last play of the game on that fourth and goal from the five and a half yard line. <sighs> look, I, I agree. I look like a pass interference call to me. It, at least it should have been a legal contact past five yards because uh, the, the corner was all over Crabtree in the end zone there. Uh, if it maybe it had been a better throw, it does get the call. It wasn't a great throw by Kaepernick to Crabtree, but again, it looked like he was held. The guy grabbed his jersey on the hip and turned him a little bit, and it just kind of really threw the route off all the way. The timing on that type of throw has got to be spot on, and it wasn't um, because of the illegal contact. I, I thought that's what the call should have been, not pass interference. It should have been illegal contact past five yards. The officiating was not very good in this game, I didn't think, anyway. Uh, the cornerback uh, for the Baltimore Ravens, I can't think of his name right now, but uh, you know the scrum there and the fight in the first half I, I really thought he should have been more than likely. If it were a regular season game, he would have been ejected. You cannot place your hands on an official. That's exactly what it did, and they let it slide. Just you know, they they called a double penalty. I never liked the double penalty thing. Call it the way it's supposed to be called. Um, but that's the way it is. No call, no flag at the end of the game either. And Ray Lewis loves Tim Tebow, and the Ravens win the Super Bowl. Let's take a look at the NFL end of the year awards. Uh, awards. The Defensive Player of the Year, J.J. Watt from the Houston Texans, was outstanding all year. You can make a case uh, for Von Miller in Denver and uh, Alden Smith in San Francisco, but J.J. Watt was amazing this year. Offensive Player of the Year and also MVP of the season, running back Adrian Peterson, both well-deserved awards. He was outstanding this season coming off that knee injury, and if it wasn't for him, the Vikings don't sniff the playoffs without his uh, near-record-breaking performance. Comeback Player of the Year coming off three neck surgeries. Peyton Manning, honestly, he had an MVP-type season, but Adrian Peterson was just so amazing. Uh, After missing a whole season to come back and put the numbers up, he did uh, pretty amazing stuff by Peyton Manning, and he did what Peyton Manning typically does and uh, kind of folds it when it comes crunch time in the playoffs. Luke Keekley, defensive rookie of the year uh, from the Carolina Panthers. He played at Boston College, really good inside linebacker. No shock here, RG3 was the offensive rookie player of the year. He was outstanding and very, very exciting to watch. And you know what? Well-deserved. Credit the voters on this one. Rookie of the year goes to Russell Wilson, quarterback of the Seattle Seahawks, taken in the third round last year's draft in April. Won the starting job after they brought in uh, Matt Flynn as a free agent and it really be- it came within a field goal away from playing the 49ers in the AFC title game and very well could have ended up in the Super Bowl this year as a rookie quarterback. Russell Wilson was outstanding. Now, take nothing away from Andrew Luck and Robert Griffin III and all the other rookies that had really, really great years. But Russell Wilson as a third-round pick. Nobody saw him coming at all, and he was phenomenal all season long. Uh, once they, they took the training wheels off about halfway through the season, he really started to blossom. And Pete Carroll uh, just, you know, fed, you know, the rah-rah. He fed the rah-rah, you know, you know go get him. You know, and that Seattle team, I, I tell you what, that's a very, very dangerous team. They're going to lose their coordinators and everything, uh, offensive, defensive coordinators. But Pete Carroll there and that nucleus of players they have, Seattle is a good ball club. That's going to be an interesting division race next year, 49ers and Seahawks. 
that concludes our uh, really NFL coverage. We'll probably talk a little draft when April comes around, but uh, we're going to uh, put NFL to bed as we should. It was uh, it was a good game. You know, I hate when that. You know, every Super Bowl oh, it was the greatest game. Oh, it was the greatest game. Look, it was a good game. The first half was a snooze fest, if you ask me. It looked like it was going to be a blowout, and and if it wasn't for a thirty four minute delay. It, Probably would have been a blowout at that point. The 49ers look shell shock after a 108 yard kickoff return. You're down 22 points and you're going, oh man, what in the hell just happened? But, uh, you know, someone cut the power. They still don't know what happened. Who knows? Uh, the power went on. It came back on. It ended up being a very, very entertaining second half. Let's take a look at the NBA heading into the All Star break here another week or so. You look at the NBA standings in the Eastern Conference. Eastern Conference is weak. I mean, just weak. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, Boston. Milwaukee, Atlanta, Brooklyn, Chicago, Indiana, all kind of muddling uh, just above you know 500. And then you have New York and Miami. Those are the two best teams in the East, hands down. Miami, It's Miami's to lose. I said it last week. Uh, LeBron James has been phenomenal. I think he was 13-14 from the field last night. Look, Boston has lost Rajon Rondo. Uh, they've got some issues. Look for some of these teams to make a trade. The trade deadline is coming in a couple weeks. Uh, I look for Atlanta, Milwaukee, Boston all to be – to, to, to make some moves, if they're going to try to better their team and, and press Miami at all, they're going to have to make a move. I wouldn't be surprised if the Knicks tried to make a move with Amari Stoudemire. It's a lot of money to take on for somebody, but you never know what's going to happen there. Now, the West, on the other hand, is is a mess, but in a different light, in a different light because the Western Conference is locked in loaded. There are some good, good, good basketball teams there. The Lakers have won five out of six. They're on the seven-game road trip right now. Now, Dwight Howard, that's a concern, his injury with the shoulder. Interesting to see if he's going to be able to get healthy enough for a late push. They're going to, it looks like they're going to make the playoffs. You look at who they have to pass. they got to pass Portland, Houston, and Utah uh, to get into that either seventh or eighth seed. Look, Utah is not a good basketball team. I, I, I just don't see them. Uh, holding on to that playoff spot, but can the Lakers win enough games to pass Portland and Houston? That's the question. Uh, Houston, I, I really like what they got going there. I don't know if they're good enough to get in this year. They always seem to kind of be on the cusp. Hopefully they get in. Portland's the same way. And you look at the top end of the Western Conference in the NBA. You have the Clippers. The Chris Paul situation is concerning. He's been out. I think he's, he's missed a, a good chunk of games out with that knee injury. They go as Chris Paul goes. Uh, Blake Griffin missing uh, his first start in 139 starts last night. Um, the Clippers' health is in question, and you know they have Grant Hill, Chauncey Billups, two older guys that you know played a lot of basketball. Lamar Odom, how is he going to be able to get in shape and play? Uh, you know that wing position like they need him to at small forward. It remains to be seen. Uh, I then you have the you know, Oklahoma City. They look great, and San Antonio. They've won ten in a row. Yeah, uh, you know they just keep on going on. You know, yeah, Tim Duncan sprained his knee; he's going to miss some time, but they just keep going. They've got players in the system there. The Greg Popovich always does a wonderful job in San Antonio, regardless of the player. Uh, they're they're kind of like the New England Patriots of basketball. They really are. They just they just win a lot of basketball games. They won ten in a row. Look for them to be standing there uh, near the end. And then you have the big trade with Memphis. I have no idea what the Memphis Grizzlies are doing. You have home court advantage if the playoffs start today, and you trade. Probably your second or third best player for pieces. You never see in the NBA anybody trade a younger player for an older player. That never happens, but apparently it does in Memphis. It makes no sense at all. I understand you don't want to pay the luxury tax. You don't want to. I, I don't understand that trade. It remains to be seen whether or not that's going to pan out for them. I, I perceive that it does not. That it does not. I, I just don't see that panning out. They're basically mortgaging now for the future. Uh, I don't like that mentality. If you have a, a winner now, 
you have to go win now. The NBA is about winning right now. You can't, you know, well, we're kind of a winner. We're, you know, we got home court advantage in the playoffs, and then all of a sudden trade your second or third best player away for an aging star. Yeah, I, I don't see that. The, the, the Tayshaun Prince-Rudy Gay trade does not make sense to me other than money, of course. If you're looking at just your financial books, yes, it makes perfect sense for Memphis to do that. Uh, I, I just I don't like that trade at all for them, and it remains to be seen how it's going to affect them uh, in the second half of the season. So that's, that's a, a quick snap at the NBA. And let's take a look at the top movies at the box office this week, like we always do, starting with number 10, working our way up. The movie Lincoln at $2.4 million. Les Miserables at 2.4 million. The Django Unchained at 3 million. The movie Parker at 3.3 million. Bullet to the Head, Sylvester Stallone film. That just, just doesn't look like a very good movie to me. Uh, 4.5 million. Uh, Zero Dark 30, 5.1 million. Mama, 6.5 million. Silver Lining Playbook, 7.7 million. Hansel and Gretel, Witch Hunters. You know, I'll probably watch that movie, but there's no way I'm paying to see it in theater. Uh, 9.4 million and Warm Bodies. Uh, it's on the trailer for this. I, I just, I don't understand some of the movies that end up at number one. I just don't. Um, 19.8 million dollars. I don't expect that movie to be there uh, next week at all. And uh, again, I want to thank everybody for uh, tuning in tonight. And we have a, a big announcement coming up very shortly, so stay tuned for that. And uh, more on that. Uh, find me on Twitter, Ryan underscore unsigned, and we'll be uh, announcing. Uh, you know, a name change to the show, so uh, definitely stay tuned to that. We're still going to do a lot of the same things, but, you know, again, keep uh, keep up to date. Uh, some changes are coming here uh, for the show, and I want to thank uh, the Dreadnought for coming on in short notice. And, Mike, wonderful job as always. And, uh, hey, it seems harder to enjoy the final things of life. Until next time, do so.